Isaiah 53. I'm going to get to the cross. We're going to get by Easter. So if, you're, if you haven't been here, if you've been asleep, he was wounded. Medical science says there are five major categories for a wound. So our, our whole life we talk about he was wounded. Well, how was he wounded? Well, he was wounded. How? So any way I can make you think, that's my job. There are two people in the world. There are stinkers and thinkers, and I want you to be both if you can. So the first one we talked about, contusion. He was bruised. Hidden hurts. Jesus will experience all five of these for you and I, and he did. It's all about the cross. It's all about Jesus. Nothing is about us or what we can do. It's all about him and what he has already done. And do you want to be great or you want God to be great in you? And I choose the second one. Hidden hurts. He was bruised. Contusion. The second one was laceration. The scourge. It wasn't the cat and nine tails. It was the scourge. Most people that was scourged never survived it. Twelve leather straps with glass and metal and bone. The cat of nine tails was designed to motivate you. It was on your back only to motivate you, but a scourging was not. A scourging was made to cripple you and kill you. Juggler veins, everything was wide open. That's why Pilate scourged him. Pilate didn't want that blood be on his hands. So he said, I know, I'll have you scourged, and he won't survive it. And he did. Lacerations means that when somebody takes something from your life, a part of you is missing. A death, a divorce, Somebody said something and took a chunk out of your life. We talked about laceration versus cut. It's not cutting. To lacerate means jagged, tear, rip, shred. A dog bite doesn't cut you. A dog bite lacerates you. Number three, last week we talked about penetration, the crown of thorns. It means that what went into the mind stayed there. The crown never came out. And I'm sorry about last week. It was an hour and seven minutes. Sorry about that. Now, now Don Epler told me I can go two hours, and I like him. He come over the day, and I went to writing over all my walls. I mean, the crown of thorns, our thoughts. Our thoughts. As it said in Genesis, thorns and thistles will be the sweat of your brow. Thorns is painful, thistles are poisonous. Christ bore our thoughts. All the things that were said against him, it went in and it penetrated into his mind and there it stayed. There's some things that's happened in your life that will never be removed from your thoughts. Three words, get over it. Pray for me that I'll forget this. You won't. The crown of thorns was never removed while he was alive. There's some things that's happened to us in thoughts and accusations and insinuations that somebody said to you and it penetrated and was painful and poisoned and you still remember them. Something happened to you when you was eight. Something happened to you when you was 12. Things happened to us and we never forget them, but I will tell you, Jesus knows exactly what it's like for these thorns and these accusations and all these things to be penetrated in the mind and never come out while he was alive. Oh, they'll come out one day when we trade our crown of thorns for the crown of life. But until then, my heart will go on singing. And until then, we will carry on. So the crown of thorns has everything to do with penetration. This morning, we're going to talk about perforation. 
It's a Latin word for per is through, and favore is the word we get the word Latin to pierce. It means to perforate, to pierce through. This has everything to do with the three nails. So I have a long ways to go in only 20 minutes. So here we go. The three nails, perforation. The nails went through. It went through. So Jesus is giving this discourse to his disciples in Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And we quote this a lot. So he said unto them, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So the word crosses, if you would, if, and, and there's a play of words on this. And I always like to, I play spiritual chess with scripture. So I'm, I'm going to play this. I'm going to use the, the red checkers for a while. And then I'll use the black checkers about denying himself. And, but today we're going to use the red checkers. <clears throat> the word crosses means things that we bear. Crosses means things that we bear. If, if any man, and I talked about crosses, crosses that we bear as Christians. I don't know about you, but I don't think I'm alone with people that have had to bear hardships, conflicts with friends and families, limitations with their own body, since I've gave my life to Christ and he called me and he submitted me to his, to his purpose, I've found that every day of my life, there's always a cross to bear. Now, maybe you're exempt from that. But I'm not exempt from family problems. I'm not exempt from church family problems on that first row right there. I'm not exempt from certain hardships. I'm not exempt from financial limitations. And I will tell you, my body has certain physical limitations to it that I didn't experience 30 years ago. There is a difference between carrying a cross and being crucified on one. It can all be summed up by one word. Nails. These three nails made certain that even though that Jesus might have questioned God, petitioned to God, or even struggled, those nails made sure he remained there until the penalty of our sin was paid. John 19 and 30, Jesus cried out, it is finished, transa celesta, it's over. I paid for it. These nails made sure he stayed put. You may find yourself in a situation that you want free from and God won't let you free from it. He nailed you to that hardship. He's nailed you, Gina, to that mate. They thought it was funny. I thought it wasn't funny. <laughs> you have a friend, a co-worker that you can't get away from. So we say all the time that, oh yeah, if any man is a follower of Christ, let him pick up his cross and follow him. I understand that. But, but what happens is that when God nails you to that thing, those three nails made sure that Jesus 
Even though he struggled, and we're going to talk about it, and even though he questioned, and even though that he petitioned God the Father, but yet those nails. So you're going to ask the question this. You're going to ask the question, well, if he wasn't nailed, would he have stayed on there? Don't ask those questions like that. But I will tell you, those three nails that perforated his skin did more than just make a hole. They made sure he stayed put until the full penalty of sin was paid for. We live in a society that will follow Christ as long as it doesn't cost us anything. Oh, I want to be another David, but I'm allergic to John's. I'm going to be like Daniel, but I'm allergic to cat hair. We say all these things that we want to be these great men and characters of God, but yet there is a price to be paid in order to obtain those things. And so the nails, these three nails that seem so small in significance, and we talk about it, but here's the difference between carrying a cross and being crucified on that cross is the fact those three nails made sure he did not go anywhere. They pierced him, but they attached him until the full penalty of sin was paid for. So let's talk about them. These three nails in Christ's cross. The first one, the scripture says in Luke 23 and 34, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Every time I read this, my mind blows up. You ever seen those little emojis where the mind blows up and blue stuff comes out? Every time I read this, my mind, my mind just blows up. Now, I know you because you're perfect, but you don't have a problem with this. But there are some people and some things I have a hard time forgiving. Nail number one is called the nail of forgiveness. There's three nails. By the time we get to, into the end of this, there's four actual wounds, five actual wounds, and I'll tell you what they all mean come Easter. How's that? Nail of forgiveness. We are never more like God than when we learn to forgive. William Ward said it this way, we are more like beasts when we kill. We are more like men when we judge. But we are more like God when we forgive. And Jesus prayed to forgive them. He looked beyond the present offenses that was going on and saw the condition of their heart. The guy that was driving the nails into his hand, he had to look past of what he was doing to see the condition of his heart. And I wrote this, people who pour out anger are usually the ones who have had it poured on them their entire life. Now, years ago, Steve and I talked about it. It's funny now, but it wasn't funny then. <clears throat> have I told you that I've always been hurt when Steve works with me? There's always something that happens to me. <clears throat> One of the first house we worked on was house over on D Street. I bought a house that's condemned. Really been condemned eight or nine years. Nobody wanted two stories. Horrible. Matter of fact, Melissa said, please tell me you didn't pay money for this. I said, I love it. I want it. I did. It was horrible. You could walk in the floor and you could set a, a, a golf ball in the middle of the floor and, and it would roll so fast you'd think somebody's putting it. But they had a weenie dog next door and his name was Captain. Well, I learned that because the woman that owned it screamed his name every living breath she had. And Captain, for a short period of time, had a girlfriend. Yeah. And so that's all I'm going to say. 
And, and so, you know, we worked there every day, and the cute little dog, one was, had little Winnie dogs running around through there, and oh, Captain, you didn't hear anything from her. Well, the day came, it wasn't long, the day came that whoever owned the little female Winnie dog, come got her. Oh, and there was, there was wailing and gnashing of teeth. Oh, Captain was not happy. Oh, so what she did was, we watched this happen through the cyclone fence. So she, she threw out a little stuffed animal to me. He didn't want that at all. He wanted the real deal. He wanted something with fur and eyelashes and living bread. That stuffed animal didn't do him any good. <clears throat> so we watched this, and then Steve laughed at him, you know, kind of laughing. And, and so he got out looking for her, you know, looking for her. And so I did the Christian thing because I like dogs and I hate cats. So I, 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 did, I did what I did. He got out, so I went and got it. So here's the funny part about it. Whoever the old guy was, he had to be 100. And I think it was her daddy. But he got out. The dog got out. Not the old man. The dog got out. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so this dog is making the block. And this is a true story. I got to go. I got to go. But the dog is around the block, and me and Steve says, there goes the dog, and we're on the front yard, and the dog's going around the block looking for this other dog. And so, the, so some guy is after the guy, the dog, but he's not moving about one mile an hour, really. He's, he's not going any faster than this. She sent him after the dog, whoever this guy was. Well, the dog now is, is lapping the man. <laughs> So after about two hours of watching this, it, so I thought, well, I'll do the right thing and I'll catch the dog. So I, I kind of tried to catch him. He didn't want to come. So finally I got him and that little sucker bit me. <laughs> Blood was running. Them, them dogs are mean. You know that, don't you? We had one one time. They ain't got n Rottweilers ain't got nothing on dogs except 100 pounds. Boy, he got me. Anybody here own a dachshund? Go kill him. They'll eat you while you're asleep. <laughs> and the first thing I did 20 years ago, I grabbed him by the throat and I was going to hit him in top of the head with a, with a wrench. I'm going to send him home to Jesus. <laughs> I had something in my hand and he bit me. And then I thought, well, Steve's watching me. <laughs> and then it, it dawned on me. He didn't know what he was doing. Now, mind you, if I come to your house and your dog bites me, it's over. You can change churches. I don't care. But I'm told that story to tell you that he was in such much hurt and mental anguish. And I, I have no idea what a dog goes through. But I will tell you, when he bit me hard and blood was running, I wanted to kill him. But then it hit me. He doesn't know what he's doing. He's just angry and mad. And these people that were afflicting Christ that day, he looked beyond the circumstance of their offense and he said, Father, they have no idea what they're doing. And I've never forgot that. Gossiping souls have usually been exposed to a steady diet of gossip growing up their entire lives. And what I told you really doesn't make it right, but it now, it just makes sense. 
When people do things against you, it's more than likely that they've had it done to them their entire life and it becomes normal. So when Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, they, they don't really know what they're doing. The first nail was the nail that pierced through having to do with forgiving someone that has offended you, hurt you, or maliciously imposed some type of a affliction in your life and your mind. And you have to get to the point where if God forgave us, then we have to forgive them. Now, it doesn't mean you have to invite them over for dinner. It doesn't mean you have to be best friends with them, but you have to forgive them because the Greek word for forgive only means on a computer to delete, let it go. It was a term that was used by hunters and trappers, caught something in a trap that they didn't really want. They forgave it. They let it go. And our mind is a whole lot like a trap. We, we want to catch something, but the very thing we catch is the thing that we really don't want. We was hoping for something and we got a skunk. There's a, so every day what we have to do is let our trap be empty, let things go that our life has accumulated for that day. If you don't, you'll regret it and everyone around you will regret it. Number two, the nail of mystery. Jesus said in Mark chapter 15, verse 34, that my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Now on the cross, Jesus struggled with this haunting question. And it's not really one that I would expect for him to ask. I really wasn't expecting this one. I understand about forgiving. I kind of understand that because the, the, the Bible said in Isaiah chapter 50, while he was on the cross that he saw his seed. Even though that he was in much travail, he saw his seed and his soul was, was at ease because he saw us. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He paid for my sins way before 1959, before I hit this planet running. He saw me before the foundation of the earth. Revelation said that he was the lamb of God that was slain before the foundation of the earth was ever created. He saw us and not only saw us, but he knew us and not only knew us, but he appointed us to be sons and daughters of God. He predestinated us to be conformed to his image. He foreknew us that we would be glorified and he sanctifies us on a daily basis. You're not here by accident. You are here if you're a son or daughter of God on assignment. As a child, what did you have to do being born into this world? Nothing. It was up to your mother and father. And so St. John chapter 1, verse 11 and 12, but as many as received him unto them, he gave the power to become a son of God that was not born by the will of man or the will of the century of man, but he was born because God willed it. And when you understand that principle down there, you think, well, if, if God saw me and, and, and I'm good to go, I can live like hell. You cannot. You will want to serve him and be humble the days of your life. It's the other ones that, that are falling from the shadows of grace. It's those that feel like that they're doing God a favor. It's those that said, I decided and I, and, and, and I appointed myself and, and I did all these things. Boy, that's a whole lot of eyes. Go read Isaiah 14. I will ascend. I will arise. I'll be like the most high, Lucifer said. It's just all grace. 
And I promised you about a month ago, we're going to get the, here's the deal. The Father elects us, the Son justifies us, and the Spirit sanctifies us. And I will get to those before some of you die. Who knows? <laughs> I will get to you. So this is, a weird, this is a weird statement for him to make. And when I say that, I, I really wasn't expecting this for him to say it towards God. Why have you forsaken me? Now, there's a lot of answers to that, and I've given these answers because he felt, he felt the sin. This is the first time that we had the Greek word he ever cried out. Cried out, really. He cried out when he felt the response of what sinful man feels like being separated from God. This is the first time he's ever cried out. He never opened his mouth. Matter of fact, Hebrews says, excuse me, Isaiah says that he will be like a sheep going dumb before his shearer. He never said anything. The whippings, the beatings, the crown of thorns, he never did anything until he got on the cross. And he felt the, the feeling of not being with God. If you're here this morning, I don't blame you for being overwhelmed by today's society if, if you're not in relationship with the Father. It's a horrible, empty feeling. It's, it's, it's like watching television with the sound off. Everybody on the screen's laughing. You're not getting it. I understand. So it kind of, it doesn't throw me, but it kind of threw me when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I, because he asked this question to his disciples. Remember at the Garden of Gethsemane? He asked them, why have you left? Why couldn't you just pray with me an hour? Why couldn't you just stay with me? There's great drops of blood coming from my forehead. Do you, do you guys don't care? And there's the answer. No, they didn't. And Peter, James, and John said, oh, we'll go with you. We'll stay with you. And you know what happens. 15 minutes into the prayer, they're going. <laughs> and you know what Jesus said? He goes, what's the use? Let's go. Get up. Let's go to Jerusalem, what's, what awaits me. So I kind of would expect this. I would kind of expect him to say this to the disciples because he did say it to the disciples, but it kind of threw me for a loop when he said it to God, to the fact of abandonment. And here's the kicker to this, that we know for a fact that he was on the cross for three hours. The sixth hour to the ninth hour. He had to be, he had to be down in the grave by six o'clock. That's when their Passover started. That's why they broke the legs of everybody else. And they didn't have to break his legs because the Bible says not one leg, not one bone in his body was broken. His strength. Bones represent strength. He took his, he surrendered his own life. No man took his life. He went to the cross full strength and he went to the grave without a bone being broken. But to add a little bit of confusion to the mix that not only did he pray this, but we have no record that God ever answered him. And for three solid, grueling, miserable hours, some crucifixions last days, you know this, Crucifixion could last days, even weeks, to let the ants and the bugs and the crows set in. And Romans even poured molasses and sugar and honey on these guys just to attract things. Absolutely. 
But for three hours, he's suffering, and they're on a time. But like you, we got to get out of there by 11, or the Baptists are going to beat this to the citizens of Sirloin. Well, you're not going to make it, so you might as well call in. But we have no answer or record that God ever answers him. So Jesus cries out this question. Father, why have you forsaken me? Why have you abandoned me? Why have you turned your back on me? Do you not see me? Do you not understand the pain that I am? And God puts him on hold. Spiritual silence. Questions like these constantly fill our lives with no answers given by God. God, what is the reason for this obstacle in my life? Nothing. Why did I get laid off at work? No answer. Why hasn't my prayers been answered? Nothing. And Father, if you really love me, if I am a son or daughter, why would you allow this to happen to me? And we have no record in the Bible that God ever replies to that question. You see, I found out that not only, number one, that these nails represented, made sure that he stayed put. Because it's questions like these that I need to know because I've asked these questions and so have you. Why did, why did I have to go through this? Why did I find cancer in my body? Why did I have to bury a loved one too soon? Why did my first marriage turn out to be the love boat and it turned out to be the Titanic? Why? If you loved me, why couldn't you have prevented me from that? Why did you allow me to go through this? And you know what God says your whole life? Nothing. So you know what most of the people do in the church? They go find them a witch. They'll go find a revival somewhere. They'll go find somebody that says they know, and off they go, looking for an answer. And if you're not careful, you'll find an answer, but it's not the answer. And I'll tell you right now, the nail of the mystery has everything to do with this. Sometimes God doesn't owe you an explanation or an answer. Oh, that's, that hurts. Then that hurt? And I know you really think that we're somebody, but we're not. And I know your children from the age of three to five wants to ask you 38 questions in a row without stopping. And every once in a while, my wife will ask me about nine questions and after, and then I'll, I'll go, and then I'll answer the first one. No. She goes, well, what about the other eight? I said, I just answered the first one. God doesn't hear me. Now listen to me. God doesn't owe you anything. That hurts. If we are sons of God, we are slaves of God, we are servants of God, the word servants is slaves. God doesn't owe you an explanation. God doesn't owe me anything. I know you think you have rights, but I have no rights. He told Moses, go ahead and take your shoes off. This property doesn't even belong to you. When you come on my terms and my goal and my purpose and my mission, son, turn your shoes off, take them off. 
Because the custom was that any man, a time that any man entered to another man's property, he had to remove his shoes. Not only will we not take our shoes off, we got a shoe factory going on in church. So we know what it's like. Let me back that up. I know what it's like to be a son of God that asks questions. Why is this obstacle in my life? Why did you allow that to happen in my life? Why did you send that person to my life? You knew they were going to do something to me. Why did I get laid off from my work at, at work and everybody else, every heathen in the world got a pay raise and I got fired and I love you and I support the kingdom? How come that happened? Am I the only guy that has this issue? I feel like I'm at another church. I don't recognize some of you. And you know what God says? Nada. Nothing. What do I do? He nails me to the cross that I'll stay put. When I don't want to forgive somebody that's hurt me, ooh. Because my whole life as a, as a child and growing up, I lived in bitterness and hate and unforgiveness. And I grew up to be a wonderful man of hate and bitterness and unforgiveness because I had it poured onto me by some parents and in-laws and outlaws. And you understand. And when I really got born again, I'm telling you that God changed my heart, but my mind still was polluted with junk. I'm not like you. You're perfect. I'm not. And me forgive you? Oh, that's right up there rooting for Texas Longhorns. That ain't going to happen. <laughs> and I would pray prayer secretly. Bless you, brother. And I'm asking God going on the road. I wish you'd kill him in a car wreck. How dare them walk in this church house and accuse me of certain things. Just smote them all like you did in Elijah's time. But you know what he did? He nailed me to that cross. He wouldn't let me loose from it. He said, you're going to learn how to forgive. I'm going to make you learn how to forgive. And I'm going to attach you to it. And I'm going to let you be around people that hate you and despise you and talks about you so much until you learn to forgive them. And the only way that you're going to do that is if I nail you or attach you to it. Because if the nails didn't hold me to it, I'd have run off and gave you the permanent wave that Jonah gave the whale. Bye-bye. He nailed me to the mystery nail. I have a ton of questions. He has no answer. I begged. I struggled. I pleaded. Nothing. But you know what he did, the nail of mystery? He nailed me to that cross I was bearing so I would not escape from it. This is a lot better than you're responding. I hope you're thinking. That's why sometimes that when you don't get answers and God doesn't answer you quickly or if ever, you still trust him. And somebody will say, hey, you know, somebody said, you know, have you prayed about it? 
That's a dumb question. Have you asked God about it? And, and everybody's got an answer. Have you fasted? Go ahead. I'll sit down. You go through the suggestion box here. I haven't heard anything. But I'm not moving. Watch this. And I'm not moving because I'm that good of a guy. I'm not moving because he has attached me to this thing. I can't go if I wanted to go. Jesus said to the disciples, what about you? John 6, they all lived. 35, 40,000 people, they all lived. And he turned to his disciples and said, what about you? Where are you going to go? And he goes, where can we go? You've attached us to eternal life. We can't get away from you. So the last one, number three, the third nail that perforated his skin was called the nail of surrender. Luke 23 and 46. And I hope you're very proud of me because I'm not going off into anything this morning. I'm being very topical in all these, these sermons. I really want to get off in there. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Now, if you have a King James Bible, of course, you see the small s? That's his spirit. That's not the Holy Spirit. Anytime in the King James Bible, you'll see the small s in caps is the Holy Spirit if it's capitalized. And small s, it means spirit is his mind, will, and emotions. So, Father, into your hands I commit my mind, my will, and my emotion. The nail surrender. So, ladies and gentlemen, the conflict of the cross was at the intersection of humanity and divinity. Heaven and hell collided with one another, but yet Christ trusted his Father in spite of his torment. You've heard me say this, but when the Apostle Paul talks about Christ, our high priest, that he intercedes for us. The Greek word for intercede is intersect. Intersection. That's what this thing in the back is. Heaven and hell collided. When Christ intercedes for us, that you're going one way and he's going another. And we intersect. Heaven and hell collided that day that he met you on the road of disobedience. But beyond that, I find myself on a daily basis carrying a daily cross that I have to forgive people daily. I can't get away from it. You don't have a choice to forgive them. You may not like it, you don't have to go home with them. You don't have to buy them a birthday card, but you had to forgive them. You had to. You have no choice. You don't have any choice. You don't have to be Facebook friends with them. I recommend you don't. You don't have to sit by them in church. But you have to forgive them. But you don't know what they did to me. I don't need to know. 
because it's you the one that's been incarcerated every day of your life until you forgive and say, God, that really hurt. It left a mark. It pierced through me. But one thing about it, I'm going to tell you this. And I don't understand it. I didn't like it. And I've been tormented. And I've been asking why you let this happen. And you haven't given me an answer. But I know one thing. I cannot get away from it because you pinned me to it. My prayer for you is, watch this. I don't want you to be happy. Watch this. I don't care if you're happy or not. I'm more interested in holiness than I am happiness. Now you can go to TBN. You'll hear all the happiness you want to hear. I'm not that happy guy. Don't worry. Be happy. That's not a Christian. It should not be sung in church. I want us to be obedient. I told somebody, who knows? Somebody was talking about reading the Bible. Listen, I think it was Mark. Listen, I don't care if you read the Bible through once a year. I don't care. Reading the Bible does not teach you about God or you don't know God by reading the Bible. You know God by obedience. You can learn about God reading the Bible, but you'll learn of God through obedience. I would rather have obedience than sacrifice. I'm glad you read the Bible. It's better than Reader's Digest or the Inquirer. But if you really want to know God, then learn to surrender. And God, the third nail, nails me to the cross of surrender. And I can't get away from it. I'm going to obey him. I don't care if every church in town uses my name as a four-letter word. I don't care. I'm going to honor my father. I don't care if everybody in the world is riding Shetland ponies in the services. I'm not. I'm going to honor my father. Jesus, the third nail, was a nail of surrender. He surrendered his mind, his will, and his emotions to his father. And when we find ourselves on a daily basis being overwhelmed with the unknown, Paul gives us a, a great verse as we close this morning. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. He said, for this reason, I also suffer these things, but nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. The word ashamed is the Greek word for disappointed but I'm not disappointed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am persuaded that God is able to keep that I have committed unto him until that day. Paul's not saying anything that, that he is exempt from pain, problems, pressures, trials. Matter of fact, when you get to 2 Corinthians around 12, he'll, he'll give you a list of everything's gone wrong in his life. But he said, here's the deal. For this reason, I suffer all these things, but I have never been disappointed in God. So much that even though we learned last week that the banking industries will fail, but everything that you have committed, paratithomy is a Greek word, I've committed to God, it's in safe holding. You think the FDIC is good. God said it's all good and you can trust me with your life. 
So number one, this hurts, but here it goes. He nails me to the cross of forgiving others. Number two, he attaches me to the cross of that I'm not getting answers to my questions. And number three, he nails me to the cross of I surrender. I just surrender. Father, in spite of what I'm feeling, I commit my children. I commit my work and finances. I commit my mind and my emotions. I commit my health issues. Father, I commit my life. into your hands. Three nails that made sure that Christ our Savior stuck with it. These three nails made sure that he forgave, he endured, and he surrendered. So every day of our lives, these three nails, perforation means this, that that God is doing something in your life on a daily basis with every head bowed before we change the order of this service. the blows you still hearing, the excruciating pain of what someone did to you years ago is still fresh in your mind and I understand. Me too. But you gotta forgive them. God will not let you escape or come down from that cross or that burden of forgiving that person. Just let it go. You don't have a right to come down and run off and do your own thing. He will attach you to that cross. He will attach your mind and your spirit to those crossbars until you learn to forgive someone that has hurt you. That second nail was for every one of us that has asked God, why did you allow this happen to me? Why did you bring this my way? Why did you let this event happen to my life and never got an answer? You're not alone. But God pins us to that. That we learn that we don't have to have an answer. We just have to trust Him. And I think the third one is probably the greatest in our life is the nail of surrender. I have got to get to the place where I surrender my mind, will, and emotions to the will of my Father. And Father, into 
thy hands. I commit my children. I commit my family. It's killing me to watch my children to go what they're going through. It's killing me to watch my grandchildren go what they're going through. I walk the floors at night. My pillow is covered in tears because of what I've watched my family go through, but there's nothing I can do. All I can do is to continue to be nailed to this cross of committing their life to you. And I commit my work and my finance. I commit my future. I just commit my life to you. And attach me, Father, if you would, with the nails of surrender that I would never be able to escape from your love and your commitment. Father, thank you for every nail that pinned me to the cross that I bear. Thank you. Thank you for all three nails that pinned me down that would not let me run until I forgave, that would not let me leave until I was understood that I didn't have to have the answer. And thank you for pinning me down that with the nail of surrender until I learned just to trust you with everything that I have. And I am persuaded that you are able to keep guard over that which I have deposited into you and you are going to keep it and guard it until that day Christ calls for us into all eternity. In Jesus' name. So I know most of you. I don't know all of you. But I'm here to tell you this morning that those three nails are very active in our lives today as Christians. I'm not asking you, are you carrying a cross around? I'm asking you, are you allowing him to attach you to it? That you cannot get away and you cannot escape from it until you learn to forgive, until you learn to be quiet, and until you learn to surrender. That's my heart's prayer for all of us this morning in Christ's name and all the people of God say amen. amen if you would stand with me this morning give the Lord a praise offering or a clap that I'm through something so here's how we start just turn to somebody they may have never done anything to you and just say listen I love you forgive me I forgive you I mean that's an easy way to do it You'll feel better. Turn to them and say, you know what? I've been asking a whole lot more questions. I just think that I'm good now. If he wants to answer me, fine. If he don't, fine. I'm good. I'm staying put. And turn to him and say, you can do what you want to. You can run as Judas Iscariot ran out the back door, but I'm staying put. Nail me, attach me, wound me. Father, make sure that we never leave the cross that we was intended to bear.
communion servers, please come. We celebrate Holy Communion every week for those that are visiting, you know this. There's only one that's worthy. We don't celebrate communion according to your worth. Paul says we celebrate communion according to his worth. And for some of you this morning, are great dear saints of God, you've been struggling to forgive. You've been struggling with unanswered questions. You've been struggling of surrendering. This nail's for you. He won't let you go. It's God's design to attach you to that burden and not let you go. There's no free will. You crucified your free will. He said, Father, I commit my spirit, my mind, my emotions, my will to you. So this morning, these three nails really represent what God is doing in our everyday life. He said with his disciples that night, he said for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the, as the first Passover. They would take the unleavened bread and they would break it. But Jesus said in John 6, your fathers did eat of the bread that fell from heaven and they did hunger. But he said, I am the bread of life. And if any man eat of me, he will never hunger again. And they looked at him so weird. And then he took the cup and he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating the Passover, the shedding of the ram's blood. And they would take the blood and they would apply it to the doorpost in the shape of a cross that when the death angel that night, the Abaddon, they would pass over that house that saw the blood. And Jesus said, now, I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And my Father will now take my blood in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sin. And he said, when you do it, remember me. Every time I celebrate Holy Communion, I'm not just running cattle through a chute here. I'm trying to get you to remember everything that Christ has did for you. The breaking of his body, the shedding of his blood, he did it for you. And he's used these three nails to attach you to the crosses that you carry on a daily basis, that you would learn to forgive, that you would learn to endure, and you would learn to surrender and he won't let you free from it. That's the Father that I love. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread, and do what only that you can do supernaturally in our lives, in Christ's name, amen.